Due to the ongoing pandemic, this episode of Hectic was recorded using Zoom, so please excuse any sound complications. Hello everybody and welcome to Hectic, a podcast that centers black femme voices speaking to a South African Gen Z audience about the issues that we face in our contemporary landscape. My name is Rafara Chishro. I'm a writer and advocate for changing your mind. And I need someone to Venmo me some money so that I can get anything by Jeffrey Campbell. Hi everyone, I'm Ali Lusengo. I'm a writer, poet, and non-professional astrologer. And I am really proud of myself for waking up at 9 a.m. most days this week. <laughs> Um, unfortunately, uh, one of our co-hosts, Amu Nisi, won't be able to join us this week. So you're stuck with me and Rufi. <laughs> so let's see how that goes. Honestly, without her here as like the grounding presence, I'm just quite afraid of the things that are going to come out of our mouths. Because... Also, the thing that we're talking about this week, I think. (laughs) Both of us can really just go off about everything for like five minutes. (laughs) Genuinely. And I don't think there's anything that we're more passionate about, especially right now, other than just the general like generational warfare that is between Gen Zs and millennials. But before we even get into that, Let's zone into our generation specifically, Gen Zs, and something that we have very, very seriously commandeered, which is the fashion industry. (laughs) Within the last year, we practically own that shit because of the lockdown period. We're coming Mm -hmm. of age in a lockdown period, and obviously everything just changes, especially how we respond to fashion, how we respond to trends. But you can't talk about fashion and Gen Z without talking about TikTok. TikTok. Guys, I feel like in the last year, TikTok has, like, blown up because of lockdown, you know? Like, I feel like it was, like, there, but, like, in the last year, almost every single person I know is on TikTok. And it's come to a point where, like, TikTok memes are now just, like, integrated into, like, our the vocabulary. It's wild. It's, like, watching Vine, but, like, bigger. And, like, yeah, fashion and TikTok is wild because I feel like I have learned so much about like trends and like fashion history because you know when you're on fashion talk <laughs> and like so yeah I feel like TikTok is now a really big force in predicting um fashion trends especially for like our generation and like even something as simple as like corsets you know I started really seeing like the corset trend on TikTok and now you know a few months later you can buy a corset at factory or cotton on what I love about how TikTok fashion trends have just been taking over everything is just how, like, I think there's also kind of, like, a little bit of creativity that can be, like, dropped in there. Obviously, like, everyone can, like, follow trends as much as they can, like, and, you know, everyone has their opinions on following trends versus creating trends or whatever. Yeah. But um, <laughs> for, like, the younger part of Gen Z, it's just been really cute to see, like, you know, when people say, like, DIY your own brown pants, which everyone is going to regret within the next two years, I guarantee when brown is out of the color cycle, they're going to be so mad at themselves for dyeing their pants the color of, insert word here. But like, it's just so cute to see. Oh. <laughs> I was like, what are you saying? I got it now. I'm not gonna say fecal matter on a podcast. I think I can give a swan on this podcast before. <laughs> No, I literally swore last week. Yeah, that's okay. I remembered. Yeah. Mm. Sorry, guys. But yeah, it's so cute to see kids DIYing their own stuff. And I think, like, personally, like, TikTok also shows me, like, what is, like, available to me, like, fashion-wise. And I'm like, yo, the girls are really doing different things. And, like, <laughs> and it's, like, it's just interesting. Um I don't know it's interesting to see like all the different like manifestations of fashion and um I don't know it's opened me up to like different kinds of styles and genuinely like I'm not kidding because of TikTok in this last year I feel like I've started to find like 
my own um, style. And I hope this doesn't like skip too ahead in the conversation, but it's fine. It's fluid. It's a conversation. Um, <laughs> but TikTok has also really shown me a lot about how to dress different bodies, you know? 100%. Oh my gosh. So like, I'm not, I don't identify, I don't have like a plus size body, but I'm not a skinny girl. You know what I mean? I'm like, I find myself in the middle. And like, I've always kind of, I don't really, or historically haven't really known like how to like dress my body. I just used to mix and match and hope it worked. But then I found this part of TikTok um, that's like, for girls who are like mid to plus sized and it's like how to find your um fashion style for mid to plus size girls it was this whole series and it like teaches you like how to research fashion find like decade era fashion that you like and like go through your wardrobe and like teaches you like what clothes are like flattering for your body and like genuinely changed my whole view on fashion and my body and everything interesting the way tiktok is kind of subverting um and kind of aiding the problems that mainstream fashion has given us you know and i also think mainstream social media because i don't think i would have ever been able to find that specific section of tiktok or like anything on any other social media platform you know what i mean like instagram really praying for her death pretty soon (laughs) Instagram's a fucking disaster. Such a wreck. <laughs> yeah, you can't see any very specific like cause. I guess that's what we call them on TikTok, yeah. on Instagram that cater to specific body sizes, specific skin tones, and how to do makeup with that skin tone on something as, I guess, instant like gratifying as TikTok. You know. no I agree and Instagram kind of does very much favor like kind of the hegemonic beauty standard and like I am in my head thinking of Kendall Jenner and like (laughs) just like you know how casual and normal it is um to just like like edit every single part of your body like Mm -hmm. on Instagram to make it presentable and did you see that um video the other day where like Kendall Jenner's like body editing app was caught like glitching in a video. Did you see? You didn't see? Oh. Dude, you can now edit your body in a video. What in are they video. doing to the kids? <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely. So Kendall, she's like posing in this mirror, you know, Kendall. And like it's this video, right? And then you can see like her body like glitching because of the app. And then this no. one, like, influencer was like, yeah, guys, like, we edit our bodies, like, in videos. Like, don't believe anything you see. Yo, because, like, now I think back to, like, all of us young grade eights or whatever on Tumblr or whatever it is. And you're just, like, stressing yourself, thinking about, like, how can I get the best possible video or image or whatever it turns out back at the ranch. Yeah, I know. It's is very intense and I think Instagram has also created this kind of new body type to aspire to um which I think is very interesting I don't think we've spoken about that on the podcast before I don't know no I don't think we have yeah it's a very it's a, I would I almost want to call it the Kardashian body type it's obviously very much inspired by the natural figures of black women as everything is 100%. um but yeah there's like impossible thing where you must have the flattest stomach but you must still have round hips and like big boobs and big lips but like just these ridiculous proportions (laughs) um so i i find tiktok to be a bomb to those kind of ridiculous standards that instagram causes but also tiktok is problematic so (laughs) in its own right because with everything at the end of the day like even though you can find your specific section of tiktok more so than you could find it on instagram at the end of the day there is a hegemonic beauty ideal even being spread on tiktok like i watched this one tiktok actually which was calling out the whole idea of like the cross between the pinterest and tiktok like girl who like wears house of sunny and she has a leather trench and wears jeffrey campbell loafers and she has like 
she doesn't have like a complete like mullet but a shag and yes. she has those beautiful um glasses with the tinted lenses and Perfect. yeah you got the picture much <laughs> tea all the time okay so that is becoming essentially the callback or like the answer to the era of the kardashians body type kind of vibe i guess and it's very interesting to see how like each generation responds to previous beauty ideals and standards yeah i mean i guess let's carry on talking about like how specific and um tiktok is you know because i feel like one of my first when i was first getting into tiktok the thing that drew me in was cottage call i remember that was for both of us i think because I was if you know me and Rafara personally and you know TikTok you'll understand what I mean when I say I am cottage core and Rafara is dark academia and I we are 100 percent in that sense <laughs> and so cottage core for those of you who don't know is like this sub uh community talk. <laughs> <Some> talk. <laughs> It's like a community, a little community on TikTok. And they kind of, uh, it's also in a way a response to kind of hyper-industrialization and like city living and like this call back to the traditional <laughs> living off the land, and, <laughs> you know, um, milking the cows and living on a cottage, hence cottage core. And so in terms of fashion, cottage core looks like very like white flowing dresses and um, very like milk maiden inspired. <laughs> I was like ready to um, start making my own butter and churning my own butter. Um, Rafaro also dove into dark academia. That's one thing about me and Rafaro. When we find something that we want to dive into, <laughs> we dive. Like, we literally, <laughs> there was this one time when we were trying to find our new obsession because there was just like a lull period where we just didn't have oh. an obsession. That is weird. But then we found it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so Cottage Call was also a big part of like my fashion journey on TikTok. And I started buying all these long, silky skirts. And um, it's very interesting. What I loved with Doc Academia was like the first things that I saw with Doc Academia were like black people within this oh. very specific like subtalk, I guess. And I think that's again just one of the like points just show the very intrinsic differences between different types of social media mm. and fashion trends or whatever. Um, and just like how it was really like trying to strive for a lot of inclusivity, which I found very interesting. But besides those cores, like what are your other favorite like cores or trends that emerged from the world of TikTok and Gen Z's? Yo, there's so many. I don't even think it's so many. Um, I wish Amu was here because we could talk about Bimbo Talk. Oh my God. <laughs> um, Bimbo Talk is also, there's a lot of um, trends on TikTok that I find emerge out of the need to reclaim and so bimbo talk is kind of a reclamation of the term bimbo and it's like women who want to embrace their sexuality um and don't mind being hypersexualized in a sense um because they use that as a weapon against um the patriarchy and they're kind of very like hyper intersectional feminists and they're all very cool so you should everyone should go check out bimbo talk it's a very interesting movement happening um so i really enjoyed bimbo talk i really enjoyed the kind of uh the twilight renaissance oh my goodness if that is not where i exist on tiktok i don't know where so for those of you also like oh this conversation will not make any sense to people who are not on tiktok get on tiktok (laughs) Come on. <laughs> no, so the Twilight Renaissance is this, I don't know, this newfound... Oh, people are just revisiting the Twilight Saga. <laughs> and they're, like, recreating dialogue. They are role-playing the characters. It's, it's so fascinating to be a part of. I love it. It's just so, like, a quick sidetrack. It's so lovely to see how people are re-understanding the whole idea of, like, everything that you wanted to love as a teenage girl, but you were shamed into disliking it just because, like, bro film brotherhood or whatever wouldn't let you. Now you literally can and can do so unironically. Ooh, I kind of, mm, for the sake of 
conversation flow that could lead directly into the conversation about millennials. <laughs> Just the biggest like let down. I'm sorry. We're here to incite a generational war. <laughs> war, war, war. So when Twilight came out, like it was kind of everyone loved to hate it. And that's how I feel like a lot of the sentiment of millennials is, oh, I love to hate things, you know? And also when I think of millennials, I think of kind of peak hipster movement, you know, and like peak irony culture. And like, (laughs) you know, it's not cool to like things that are like mainstream, things like Twilight, things like Justin Bieber, things like One Direction, you know? And in that, a lot of like teenage girls who liked those things predominantly got shamed for liking those things. And so you kind of had this, you had to be very like alt and listen to like, what are those people called? Vampire, what are they called? Oh, <laughs> I was about to say with my full mouth, the Vampire Diaries Weekend. <laughs> Take with that what you wish. <laughs> Vampire Weekend or like Tim and Pala or Lan and Delray. Um, oh, and not this. Tell the men in the music business conference. <laughs> The irony of irony culture is that kind of hipster culture was also very homogenous in its own way. And like, you all, you kind of had to like the same things. And so anyway, anyway, so millennials, I think of millennials and I think of like peak, like irony culture and not cool to like cool things. Um, And I think Gen Z is very interesting because we're at a point where you can kind of really start to see the generational distinctions between millennials and gen z and we've kind of revolted against that so hard (laughs) and we're like so anti-irony and so like pro sincerity and like you know like we will shamelessly watch twilight and shamelessly like it you know and like who gives like who cares if we like one direction or anything because i feel like this is the same generation that was like really at the home of like stan culture for like the major pop stars so like your justin bieber your one direction your whoever else was really trending back in the day or whatever when like pop was really the thing it was our generation it was usually like the young kids who were there lighting up with their mom and like ticket sales places and the very even the alternative artists that like people try to run to so they can try and like cover themselves from being considered a mainstream chick there's yeah. a very specific message of even like correct me if I'm wrong a like kind of like sincerity to the things that they were singing about weirdly enough so you grow up listening to those kinds of messages and you shamelessly love One Direction and Justin Bieber and then you grow up I think there's always going to be a point for any person within that generation bracket is going to look back and be like what was the actual point of that? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like we're at that point. I feel like even just like I've noticed a shift in sentiment um, with like a lot of people in our generation. We're like, we don't care if we like pop music or like, you know, like listening to. I remember there was a time where I was like, I would keep it on the low low that I really liked, like Ariana Grande. And it's so like- dumb. It's dumb. I don't care. I don't care. I love Dua Lipa. I think she's amazing. <laughs> Stand, do her, or die. <laughs> I'm in love with her. Um. <laughs> but I love how, like, this whole idea of, like, loving things or standing specific things is just, like, very specific to Gen Z's as a whole. And, like, the millennial, like, callback now to that like on tiktok with like millennial tiktokers will start being like okay we get it <laughs> you love dua lipa but yeah. like the animosity between these two generations i have never in my life but like i said we are here to incite cultural warfare it's very funny to just see the whole like millennials versus gen z like on tiktok and like gen z being like why do you guys like avocados so much? <laughs> Thank you for kombucha. <laughs> Stuff like that I find hilarious. It's so funny. But um, I think, yeah, I know we said we get to inside violence, but uh, here it is. Uh, we champion nuanced opinions. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. I think 
I do have a lot of compassion for millennials because they were kind of hit with the recession at the cusp of their adolescence, you know, 2008. And, you know, they've got their whole life growing up and we saw 9-11 and all these things. They literally say, we grew up in the shadow of 9-11. And for all that melodrama, I think there is some truth in the fact that those kind of global traumas have made them a bit of a jaded generation. Mm. And especially because of the recession, I would say, and kind of the consequences of that on the job market. Millennials have kind of been forced into this extended adolescence, you know, where like the adulthood that they were promised hasn't yet arrived. And Ooh. it's very interesting because we now see millennials are kind of the ones who are producing majority of our um, media and TV shows, right? Extended adolescence is the theme of so many shows. It's like, insecure broad city two broke girls and like all of these shows are about just all these young people struggling to like make ends meet um and who feel like even though they're growing older like things aren't coming together and i think i think that's a really interesting thing to observe about millennials that is such a good point because even if we were to try and think about it like if we're bringing more nuance to this discussion (laughs) the whole idea of a generation and all of like the negatives are associated with them I really do feel like it's very funny to think of like what the negatives that will be associated with our generation will be and while it may not necessarily be like the extension of adolescence into like your 30s because let's face it millennials you're old now um for gen z's like one of the main things that I would think of is like the very interesting use of African-American vernacular English to create your lingo slang and like the specific expressions and the mannerisms and behaviorisms that are associated with Gen Z come from memes which like we said last week have also been known to like be historically rooted in like a lot of like african-american people's like expressions and reactions to things coming from reality television digital blackface we'll link you guys the video because it's such an important thing to consider how us as a generation most of the things that we've built our identities on are not as unproblematic as we think we are that's also i'm very interested um to see I think one of the things I definitely see Gen Z being critiqued on um we have very much embraced um politics and feminism and all these things Mm. and um, I saw a joke the other day um that was like yeah the cool kids in Gen Z it's like you can't sit with us because you haven't read enough Marxist theory you know (laughs) it's like that's kind of you know we really pride ourselves and like our political awareness um and I I kind of uh, we are very into identity politics as well you know and all of our all of our identities are a queer black woman this is a podcast we pride ourselves on being professional queer black women you know Mm. and I I feel like it might be a bit of critique on how intensely we embrace identity politics and how that hasn't necessarily led to structural change yet um so I think that is something that might our well, who's coming after us? Gen Alpha. Gen Alpha. I'm terrified of that generation already. Me too. Um, they're quite scary. Scare me. They scare me. How can you grow up and have TikTok already? That terrifies me. How do you grow up listening to Baby Shark? What does that do? do- <laughs> I think, like, for some reason, Baby Shark, I hear it as, like, a military call to arms for Gen Alpha. It just sounds way too weirdly militarized for my mind. It's just, like, so repetitive and, like, I don't know. It's messaging we don't get because we're too old. I don't mind being too old for things. (laughs) I really don't. In this case, I don't. But regarding the heavy politicization of the things Mm. that we do as a generation it really does even boil down back to fashion itself and how we've taken up sustainability as a generation, very specifically as one of our main causes, because we're the generation that is growing up 
and coming of age during the climate crisis. And some of our favorite, you know, figures would be Yo Greta, uh, Vanessa, these young women who are working very hard to try and like bring attention to the climate crisis. And I think the best way that we understand to put that into practice would be rejecting fast fashion but even that like has its drawbacks and it has its problems and while we think as a generation we're doing better than millennials who would like buy from where the fuck did millennials shop (laughs) the only thing i can think of is american apparel for some reason (laughs) (laughs) i just have like the curious image of like being on tumblr and seeing like american apparel ads (laughs) I hear American Apparel, I think five seconds of summer. So you're really losing me here. Oh, uh, okay. We're not. We're not. We're not mixing. Yeah, oh, I feel like people will also like critique us for feeling like we're so self-righteous as a generation. <laughs> I see that. I see that as well. Um, But yeah, fashion and sustainability is interesting. It's very interesting because we simultaneously as a generation live in like a very like hype beast culture, you know? And like, you know, we (laughs) idolize like Virgil Abloh and Kim Mm. Jones and all these people um, and all of these like luxury like fashion houses and at the same time, it's like... (laughs) The fashion industry is the biggest pollutant in the world. <laughs> so what do you do about that? We turn to like thrifting and trying to find sustainable means of shopping. But most people obviously can't afford sustainable brands because even though we'd like to buy House of Sunny Baby, we'd love to. We obviously can't afford to do so. One thing that I really enjoyed was the ID article that was published. It was basically critiquing the whole idea of thrift flipping and Mm -hmm. if you live anywhere on instagram or on youtube you'll see your favorite content creators usually they'll like say i went thrifting here's my haul (laughs) and they'll come back with like a size way too big for them and then they'll cut it down and then make these really cute jeans that they can wear and they just live their lives but then this idea article is essentially poking holes in that whole idea and the whole idea behind sustainability and thrifting and how that's essentially just throwing that away because with that leftover material you're probably gonna throw it away Mm -hmm. and also there are people who are actually those sizes and the inherent sizeism in thrifting culture because you can be someone who's in like the middle to plus size or actually be a plus size person go thrifting and then like you won't find jeans that actually fit you (laughs) but even moreover like who are we to like walk into these thrift stores buying like a pair of vintage jeans which technically would be the same price as you going to buy like jeans and like a normal store whatever and people who actually need the cheaper prices now they can't like because you cape down kids decided to go on a thrifting binge <laughs> well we are the cape town kids who go on a thrifting binge <laughs> i'm guilty yeah, guilty as charged i know there's almost this gentrification of thrifting right now um where it's like who is thrifting even marketed towards now you know, you know, thrift, to, well, you know, as people, students in Cape Town, you know, thrifting, you go on Instagram, you see the thrift stores and they're like, oh my gosh, we got this like vintage Louis Vuitton. <laughs> like, it's like, is this even thrifting anymore? Like, <laughs> and it's like, even like you said, like sometimes you go into thrift stores and like jeans are the same price as they would be like in like H&M or Cotton On or something yeah I don't know I feel like there's almost like this hijacking that we've done of thrifting and mm. there's there is an inherent classism in that and you know thrifting as a hobby for Gen Z who can afford it as opposed to you know taking that away from the people where thrifting is the only place to source clothes yeah so yeah it's interesting and I think we a lot of us started thrifting with good intent um mm. 
you know, as a part of an extension of our anti-capitalist activism, like we're not going to participate in fast fashion um, for so many reasons. But as they say, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Even with that, like you get things like franchising of thrift stores. So it's not necessarily even completely subverting the capitalist system because you can get I don't want to name brands. I know. I feel like both of us are thinking. <laughs> I can see both of us are like, mm-hmm. but you literally have a shop that has franchised itself within the entire Cape Town area, and mm-hmm. it's selling very huge inverted commas here affordable thrifting clothes or whatever. But then, mm-hmm. what's the point? You know. Um. And with that, I think we'll take a break. Welcome back to this episode of Hectic. So where we left off, we were talking about the politics of thrifting. Mm -hmm. But to move away from such a slightly morbid topic than we'd like to admit to ourselves as a generation, what was your pandemic uniform? Again, kind of triggering because we're not really in like hard lockdown right now. But like from when hard lockdown was a thing, mm-hmm. what was the uniform? My uniform. So I, um, you know, and I think everyone dealt with this very differently. But I was of the philosophy that I'm not going to dress like my problems. <laughs> so to also, it was part of busying myself. Um, so I, every, most days actually, except for like Sundays, I would wake up. Um, I was like everyone should know by now I'm very into my routine so I had my you know I did my yoga whatever whatever and I'd shower and I would choose a nice outfit every day and I'd put on makeup nothing hectic just something fun especially in the beginning I was like trying to be very creative about it Mm. (laughs) different eyeshadow for different eyes you know Um, and then yeah like so that was definitely like the first um let's say like first month or so Mm -hmm. then once we were like okay this is an ending um (laughs) (laughs) and we got like more into then like online school started and everything I didn't have time to do the whole thing but I think I would always even if I was wearing sweatpants and like a nice top I tried to like wear something that would make me feel good because I really do believe that like if you look good it affects some part of your mood Mm -hmm. um so yeah, yeah, I I would I tried to like dress up. I didn't have like, I wasn't like a sweatpants everyday person, um, because that would have made me very sad. <laughs> no, I get you. Thing is, like, I don't even have enough sweatpants in my wardrobe to be able to be a sweatpants everyday person unless I was going to really like dirty it out and just be like, you know what, fuck this, I'm gonna wear the same sweatpants. <laughs> every day you know but like because of the clothes that I have I kind of was like relegated to having to say my address of every day but then like as the year went past and like I was like since I'm not going anywhere let me actually buy clothes that like are for a home environment then I actually Mm. started wearing sweatpants every day essentially it's interesting that point you made because i also did not have enough sweatpants for the occasion of of this pandemic and um i think what's been very fascinating to watch how retailers have adapt adapted um to the pandemic because now especially now that we're kind of preparing for the colder seasons you look mm-hmm. at you look at factory cotton on h&m everywhere what are the mannequins wearing? Sweatpants. Comfiest clothes ever. Comfy core, if you will. Comfort core. Comfort because 
<laughs> we started a new TikTok trend. Um, no, you're your first. <laughs> Comfort call. Because, like, I was literally walking through the shops today and all I could see were mannequins that had sweatpants. But even in the summer months, where, like, before we got into this transitional, like, autumn-ish season, that's all that was there. Like, pajama wear was being advertised more than, like, normal pants and skirts and whatever because no one was going out. So it's going to be so interesting to see how retailing is going to be viewed during this last year i know it's very interesting and um even like i've noticed um people are putting a lot more effort into like designing pajamas and things like that <laughs> yes <laughs> like even cotton on pajamas right now i'm like okay but like i can <laughs> wear it outside <laughs> why they're so cute yeah why they're really cute <laughs> and there's like sets and things and like you know? um yeah no it's I think that's very interesting um you know the way everything reflects each other the macro and the micro you know but one interesting thing that like I think we've all had to consider during this time is how our clothes obviously inform our gendering because here at Hectic we think about gender not as a fixed thing but something that is a doing word it ebbs, it flows, it's an active word, right? So how has your gendering worked with clothing and the whole idea of performance and clothing and gender? Because essentially I've understood my clothing and my gender as being part of one package parcel of like today I'm performing femininity. And it's been interesting to unpack that as like, not only something that's for me in as much as I'd like to think that it is, but it technically is also in some way for the outside world as an identifier. And if you live in like an area where there's like small for metropolitan area, my gendering, I personally chose to like try and make it slightly more masculine presenting as like almost an armor. So mm-hmm. how have you navigated that where we don't go outside as much, you know? Mm, this is interesting interesting um well the first thing I think of like I said I kind of in the beginning was very into my makeup right um but what I found was that I wasn't necessarily doing pretty makeup a lot when I was um Mm. uh, especially in the beginnings of lockdown and I was just putting it on so like yeah (laughs) so like pretty makeup I would say you know just stuff where like I'm comfortable in it I know it's gonna look good it's gonna make me look pretty like you know, cut crease, nothing too risky, just nice, some jitter, whatever, whatever. Mm. I found myself definitely like exploring a lot more like artful makeup, but like more like expressive things. Um, and we're like, if I wasn't, cause I didn't have to think about, oh, I'm going to be perceived. Um, mm. I was like, fuck it. Like, let me just like try things. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Like it's just me and my family. Like no one cares. <laughs> um, and I think that was really interesting because I found, yeah, I wasn't necessarily putting on makeup to perform femininity and to look pretty, but for myself. And I think that also extended into my fashion. Um, but yeah, I was also just like trying on different like outfit combinations and like just things I wouldn't necessarily have tried if I was going outside. And I think, I don't know, I feel like I didn't really have a really big gender revelation um for myself and my clothes because I have been lucky enough in my life to be very comfortable in my femininity (laughs) (laughs) you know I haven't really questioned that but I wonder how that was for you it was very fascinating trying to thought through that experience being someone as you know that like generally especially like when it comes to my clothing preferences is Mm. quite like relatively androgynous in general but um it became very interesting when I started trying to understand my own personal femininity and how I understand it not as it's just like an external thing or like how people perceive me but like whether or not it's truly my choice to Mm. present femininity right so um, one of the things that I found very interesting, again, on TikTok, <laughs> was <laughs> there was this whole period after Harry Styles did his shenanigans for Vogue. 
we talked about it in the yep. first season so get with it get with it <laughs> get up to yeah. but um there was this whole movement essentially where girls were being like i want to be a woman but i want to be feminine in the same way men can be feminine right so where it's not like it's expected and it just looks that way on you because you're a woman therefore femininity but the way like for example even though harry styles had their people had their problems with that cover of vogue homie look good (laughs) okay (laughs) but also because his presentation has that option of being able to transfer himself between the binaries and the along the spectrum right and i really wanted to be able to like have that in a way mm. so it's been very interesting especially because like I grew up my hair for uh-huh. like so I was like let's try braids I mean let's see that because I feel like long hair is a very big marker of femininity in my mind right yeah. so like it was like trying to like figure things out in that respect and then cutting it again and then seeing which one fits which one feels better and it's just been like whatever I feel at that time you know um it's been weird, but what has been interesting more so than like how I've been feeling about it has been how I've been received. It's weird because there's certain energy that you give off in terms of like femininity or masculinity definitely impacts how even your family treats you. Yeah. I feel there's a certain kind of, I don't know, kind of like a bit more of like a straightforward rapport that they have with me when I'm more masculine presenting and like my hair is short but then like when my hair is longer it's a bit more softer like I'm an actual girl child with my friends it's so interesting Uh, do you say even with your friends even with my friends that's interesting I've never picked that up on how I treat you (laughs) when you had great versus not great interesting um i have a friend who um during lockdown realized that they were non-binary um during lockdown and i've noticed on tiktok again um (laughs) a lot of people talking about how they had this kind of gender revelation during lockdown that yeah because um, they all of a sudden didn't have to perform gender for anyone and they were kind of stuck with themselves and had to kind of really reckon with um, whether their performance of femininity was for other people or for themselves or just of gender in general and a lot of people realizing oh actually like um, maybe the category of woman or man isn't for me but for other people and so my friend yeah they were like lockdown really made me realize that um I don't necessarily feel woman or man but more non-binary and Mm. in between and fluid and um I you know I think it's going to be very interesting from like uh, a gendered perspective to study the effects of lockdown and just being by yourself and just worrying about your own perception of self damn that is so fascinating even though the pandemic did fucking suck well i'm i love i'm it, saying past tense it, <laughs> it does it is <laughs> sucking it is sucking it will probably continue to suck i'm giving it five more years yeah. minimum, minimum. <laughs> but it's just been so lovely to see like with all its sucking like the brief moments where people have been able to like derive some sort of goodness or moments of revelation for their own personal identities out of it because I don't think we would be able to get to these places in the hustle and bustle of the hegemonic compet cishet world you know just like the days No, I agree. Also, for myself, on the note of like perception, I felt like I became a lot more confident in lockdown, especially in terms of how I perceived my body, mm. um, because it was just me perceiving mm. my body, and I wasn't really um, worried about. I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't really dressing 
for other people and for myself and like I said there's also a lot of things playing into it like me discovering that whole TikTok series about how to dress for myself and then my body and all these things but um yeah you know I found like towards the end of last year the end of 2020 I was like actually like it's just my body you know (laughs) and like I was like having not been in public spaces constantly for a year like did a real I I became a lot more confident in myself Mm. and it was interesting um because I'm now back in Cape Town and um around my friends a bit more um it was interesting because I found myself kind of almost progressing and like having Mm. those like same worries of like I became so much more aware of my body and how it was perceived and Mm. I really came to realize how much of my self-confidence is rooted in perception of my body Mm. and how other people are going to perceive it um but now I'm like let me just let me just remember those feelings from um from last year so it's it's fascinating it's fascinating isn't it it? it's so interesting just the line between self-perception and external perception Mm. and also the ideas that we have that like I think we'd love to believe that no, I get all of this validation from in here and this and this and this. I am that girl, girl boss, hashtag rise and grind. <laughs> Lies. <laughs> but at the end of the day, as humans, we do exist in ecosystems. And within those ecosystems, we function in specific ways. And how we respond to those ecosystems is very important to how we understand ourselves, right? I don't know if this is a crazy thought. <laughs> do you think the kind of overestimation of self-worth and like self-perception is rooted in hyper-individualism oh 100 because i blame everything on hyper-individualism Same. capitalism and liberalism ah. everything it's just kind of strange how you can exist in a community with other people and the expectation is that you're meant to gain so much something that is very intrinsic to your being from just inside you from where really that's you know what I, mean? I don't know i find that really weird i think that's interesting yeah the kind of underestimation of how much the community influences who you are um mm. and how you see yourself fascinating stuff um and i wonder if that would lift more lift the blame and the weight on our shoulders you know because instead of saying i hate myself i hate my body we can say well Mm. these negative feelings i'm having just because of the community and the society around me and i don't have to take that on intrinsically Mm. i think we're having a breakthrough (laughs) i think we're having a breakthrough personally i'm having a break (laughs) because that is some of the most profound not even profound profound (gasps) oh my goodness that's the best thing i've heard all week (laughs) because imagine because it's in those years think back to like grade seven or something thinking when now they tell you about the reproductive system and when people mm. start getting their periods, for example, and girls start becoming very aware of their bodies, especially around that time, yeah. okay? And how isolated you may feel in those kinds of environments and in those experiences, because it's not like during that time people are telling you, as you're going through puberty, girls, you must look to each other and help each other out. These are going to be very difficult times for each of you. But no, they're literally like, at this moment, you're going to start getting your period. <laughs> you got, your body's going to start changing. You, 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 all of us. You will feel insecure. You literally, <laughs> your emotions will start, mood swings will start happening to you. <laughs> but they're not saying it's going to be a shared experience. Oh. And since it's a shared experience, let's have, yes, let's take care of each other. Let's converse. You don't have to blame your self-esteem on yourself. You, you know, can't. what if we really started to realize how much everything, 
and how much the community and the society we live in affects ourselves and we don't have to take it on mm. we don't have to feel bad if I'm having a bad body day well maybe blame it on the fact that men were sexualizing me or something exactly and for example for example this weekend <laughs> I wore a bikini for the first time right also a consequence of the body confidence gained in lockdown mm. um and I just wore it around a small group of friends right who I trusted so much and who I know would never perceive me in a way that was going to harm me right mm. and so I felt comfortable in that space and I even said to them I wouldn't I'm not at a point where me I could wear this bikini at the beach because they're men and like just weird energy that I can't protect myself from, you know? Yeah. What if we started thinking more like that, you know? Like how how does the community's energy affect me in this space? Rather than like, it's an intrinsic purging because if, if the onus is on you, right? It's like, you need to learn how to take away those emotions. Yes. The amount of internal work that you need will lead you to A, B, and C. Internal work is important, yes. It is, absolutely, absolutely. But when it comes to something that is so based on like your surroundings, an intrinsic oh. purging becomes practically impossible to be the only resolution you know right and it's like instead of me saying to myself i'm being frustrated why can't i wear a bikini why don't i love myself enough to wear this bikini on the beach i say well i feel comfortable to wear this bikini in front of my friends but because men at the beach make me uncomfortable i'm not gonna wear it there and to take this argument even further is this not an identity politics versus structural politics who who <laughs> if we're gonna take it there <laughs> instead of me saying oh i don't identify or my body or now i'm it's not just about me it's about the politics i play at every level of society you know what i mean 100 mm. percent oh man we were meant to get into like the stupidest shit of this segment very quickly, but like, I think there's so much to be unpacked here. That was a breakthrough. Everyone just wishes me and far have a psychological breakthrough. <laughs> Thank you for being here. This really wasn't for anyone else. So. <laughs> <laughs> but lots of artists, like everyone else listening, are like, what are they talking about? <laughs> like excuse me <laughs> whatever you're just perceiving me in that way <laughs> <laughs> and with that let's get into the final segment of this podcast and it's a very interesting game based on our initial conversations around fashion and the game is called is it fashionable or are they just skinny hmm. now think about it <laughs> I think this episode is about perception. There's a lot of perceiving happening in this episode. Okay, let's get into it. Um, Kendall Jenner. <laughs> Listen, mm. Homegirl can pull like a lot of fashionable stops, but I don't know. Most of the time, I just kind of feel like if anyone else were to try and mimic that, like, they wouldn't be able to. I don't know. Yeah. Look, Kendall Jenner, she doesn't dress badly, but I think she is just skinny. (laughs) I wouldn't say Kendall Jenner is a fashion icon. I also wouldn't say. I'm on her Instagram right now and I'm like. Me too. (laughs) She's not the fashion icon we think she is. Right. Anyway, continuing. Is it fashion or is she just skinny? Bella Hadid. Bella Hadid has given us some looks. Now, while I have problems with her very infamous <laughs> sneaker shop <laughs> interview, if you haven't watched it, please do yourself a favor. Homie's <laughs> gonna like get it. <laughs> get it. No, no, no. But even though she was tweaking in that video, she has given us some looks. 
So see, it's fashion. I'd say Bella's fashion, bro. Okay. Next up, the girl Z Santaya. Fashion. One hundred percent. I don't even know why we even consider. Yeah, that's not even. <laughs> Come on, um, Harry is... Styles. Mm, Harry Styles. Hey, fashion. <sighs> well, it is fashion. At the end of the day, I have to call out. Call them out. The bastardizing of mm. these trends that have been started by people who live very openly. And very, I don't even know how to else to say it. They just live in the front lines of the queer community and they're putting their lives on the line to be able to exist like this. They're not quiet when it comes to specific issues that pertain to the queer community, trans bodies, all of the things that are happening to them because of the choices that they're making fashion-wise. And then for you to dress, because like, you know, it's fashionable because they do literally make our trends pay the queer community where it's due man you know and you you can dress that way at the grammys but then you post a pride flag occasionally like it just doesn't cut it for me or like in a rolling stone magazine you can be ambiguous about your sexuality which is up to you that's okay but it's it's the speaking up uh and it's because gender fluidity is fashionable now Hmm. We can't forget the communities you gave us that. So yes, Harry Styles, you are fashionable, but please pay respect to the ones who came before you. Um, and let's not even pretend Harry was the first person to look good while gender bending. Like, hello, Dennis Rodman. Hello. Um, Why do we actually three thousand? Hello, Prince. Prince. All right. Let's not pretend like this white boy came and did it first. Please, I'm begging you. I'm begging you. Begging. Sorry. All right, next. Um, Alexa Demi. Fashion, period. End of the podcast. Fashion, man. Alexa has this face that's like you are a star just the star power that came out of this girl after literally she'd only by then she'd only been in euphoria and mid 90s and at that point she was already now booking a vogue beauty secrets no way no way star power every single photo she posts every single outfit she wears she does not miss 100 percent. i don't even know what else to say besides Alexa Demi is the moment. <laughs> Any final thoughts on Any the fashion fun? industry? Gen Z's. Oh my God. I mean, Gen Z, I pray for us and the way we will be remembered. Um, but let's just, you know, try our best. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's try our best to be sustainable, everyone. Um, in ways that will not harm our communities. Um Let's not be too hard on ourselves. Let's mm. not, let's remember that there's a lot of things I play in the world. Mm. Not just you navigating life by yourself, you know? There's Ooh. a whole society to consider. So let's, let's think about that as we leave. And also, let's all download TikTok. <laughs> download TikTok and find your core. <laughs> find your core. <laughs> I'm gonna come back. This is not right. I will please come back. <laughs> We're so sorry for what this became. We're so sorry for this episode. <laughs> what you heard during the break and what you're about to hear now is the song A Place I Know by Tall Thief. You can catch their music on all streaming platforms and watch out for their upcoming EP. Here at Hectic, we support local talent, we support independent talent, and if you're listening to this podcast, you should too.